I'm glad I almost died this year. So we're ready to, to move on. I want to see what the brand, new year brings. Uh, it's a new, new, new year, and, uh, and hey, we made it past the Mayan calendar. Boom. <laughs> so, so, so this message is really about starting the new year. And, you know, New Year's resolutions are, are uh, uh, you know, they're just, I think they're part of, it's just part of life. And I don't think they're bad things. I think that they're good things. It's a great opportunity. God gives us, uh, built into the calendar, a new start where you can say, wow, let's make a big change. Let's, let's, let's make a transformation. Um, I saw this little cartoon on Facebook somebody put up. You know, one person asked another, you know, so what is a New Year's resolution? Another person said, well, it's a to-do list for the first week in January. <laughs> <laughs> the fact is that New Year's resolutions, if they're just made because they're good ideas or something that we might want or, or aspire to, we often don't have the power to actually accomplish change. And so what I want to talk about is, uh, is, is a biblical basis of why we can expect uh, real transformation, real change in our lives. And th- is, this is a good time as any. I mean, this is better than most that, yeah, let's make 2013 let's make this next year better let's let's live even 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 better lives that's whatever maybe you need to have changed in your life basically i want to empower your resolutions to be more than just resolutions but uh you know uh, 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 revelations and, and revolutions <laughs> you know in your life amen and it's based on we're going to read uh, for, uh second corinthians chapter 5 17 5:17 through 21 from the New King James, and then from that uh, passage to kind of pull out some truths that we can apply. <clears throat> it says this: Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading uh, through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Amen? Amen. So it's, uh, this scripture, this gives us, and many other verses in the New Testament, but this is, but this is talking about the new creation that we are. Uh, 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 if we're in Christ, we, he is a new creation. So you and I, we are a new creation. It's present tense. It's not future. It's not something we aspire to. It's something that we already are. And so point number one is that I am a new creation. I am a new creation. And that's, you can change the slide. Point number one. <clears throat> says, I'm going to read it from, oh, you already did. There you go. <laughs> uh, it says uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17 in the Amplified. It says, therefore, the Amplified version is, is just a version, a translation that kind of amplifies it. It kind of fills in as many words as possible. Uh, it says, therefore, if anybody, if any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he is a new creation or a new creature altogether. 
The old, previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. And so this idea of new creation, it literally could be uh, written a new species. It's of a new kind, all right? It's not just starting over again. It's starting again completely different. And that's the, that's the essence of the understanding of this word, and that's what we need to embrace. We're no longer fallen. We're no longer merely human. We're now, present tense, new creations, uh, a, a whole new species. And so that means the things that were associated with your former life are no longer part of who you truly are. Whatever that might be, it may be a sinful habit, a lifestyle, a thought process, an emotional bondage, whatever it may be, all of this stuff is part of the old life. And this scripture and what the Bible declares that in, in relationship with Christ, we're new creations now. I am a new creation. We're no longer merely sons and daughters of Adam, right? descendants of Adam. We are, but not just merely that. We're sons and daughters of God through adoption by Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's wow. Uh, and it's not merely a legal adoption. You know, you know we, we experience an adoption as a wonderful process that we, we, we see uh, when people adopt a child and that becomes illegal and they become part of the, the family emotionally, right? But in Christ, we actually are transformed in a much deeper way. We take on the character and the nature, if you will, the spiritual DNA of our Father. That's what adoption means in, in the New Testament is that we are brought in, we're ingrafted. We're grafted in to, to Christ. <clears throat> and so it, it, it's a, it's a, that's why we're a new creation because the DNA, if you will, the spiritual makeup, the nature of Christ is injected into us. All right, through faith, and it begins to transform our character. It becomes, it, we mutate, if you will. <laughs> kind of a science fiction fan, you know. <laughs> uh, it transforms us into new beings. And when it says new creation, it literally means a new kind of being. All right, it's way more. Uh, Clark, a commentator, I think he lived about 150, 200 years ago, says, if any man, it's kind of a longer uh, quote, but I, I like it, I think it's quite powerful. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. It is vain or meaningless for a man to profess affinity to Christ according to the flesh while he is unchanged in his heart and life and dead in trespasses and sin. For he that is in Christ, that is a genuine Christian, having Christ dwelling in his heart by faith, is a new creature. His old state is changed. He was a child of Satan. He is now a child of God. He was a slave of sin. His works were death. He is now made free from sin and has the fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. He was before full of pride and wrath. He is now meek and humble. He formerly had his portion in this life and lived for this world alone. He now hath God for his portion. And he looks not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are eternal. Therefore, old things have passed away. Behold, all things 
are become new. The, the man is not merely mended. I like this. The man or person is not merely mended. He is a new, he is new made. He is a new cre- creature, a new creation, a little world in himself. Formerly, all was chaotic disorder. Now there is new creation, which God himself owns as his workmanship and which he can look on and pronounce very good. All right. So just as in the first creation where God created the order and, he, and he, from the chaos he formed order and he declared it good, we experience that personally when we come into Christ and we're new creations, chaotic in form, but when Christ comes and the name of the Lord, the word of the Lord is spoken over our lives, that he brings order to the chaos and we can become new creations. And I like that the man or the person is not merely mended. You know, Christianity is not about fixing the areas of your life that are faulted. All right? It's not just about fixing this, and you got a problem here, so we'll fix that, and you got a problem here, we'll fix that, and then everything's better. That's not Christianity. All right? Uh, Christianity is about, you know what? You're broken beyond repair. <laughs> you need resurrection. We're going to inject you with this, and it's going to make you a new creation. But that new creation is going to be pure and holy. It's going to fulfill everything that you, that was meant to be lived and, and, and fulfilled. It's going to enable you to become all that you were meant to be, but couldn't because of brokenness and failure on your part and others. All right? It's going to make you more than you ever dreamed possible, and it's going to make you invincible. It's going to make you impervious to death, impervious to sin, impervious to sickness. That's the message of the gospel. That's the DNA that Christ brings. And so that that transformation is a glorious thing. It's not fixing a little here. It's a complete renewal. And that's what uh, I am, a new creation, uh, present tense, is what we're supposed to be living in. And so no more sin, no more shame, no more insecurity, whatever things that were part of your old life no longer has to continue because you are a new creation. Amen? All right. Point number two is I am reconciled. I am reconciled. And that's verse 18 in that uh, 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 passage. It says, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Nothing is exempt from this transaction. Right? What does it say? All things are of God. All things. Now. All things. Every aspect. Uh, so nothing is exempted from the transaction. And, and it, says, it goes on and says, We are reconciled, who, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And the word reconciled is very important. One uh, resource says that he uses a, a great doctrinal word here is, is reconciled. Um, and the word in the original language, from what I understand, or from what I read in this commentator, <laughs> is it, it's a word uh, that was used for exchanging currency. All right? Uh, it's, uh, the idea of reconciliation was actually what... what the term refers to ex- exchanging currency, and it, and it caused me to remember. <clears throat> I, I go to internationally, I travel internationally quite a bit, and and like sometimes you can save the money from countries. Like uh, someone gave me fifty uh, 
Is it euros? Uh, I'm going to save that, and it's like actually worth more than, than 50, more than what it was when they gave me, you know. Because um, <clears throat> sometimes currencies go up. But when we went to Morocco, which is a country in northern Africa, um, they have this currency that I cannot pronounce the name of it. <laughs> uh, and you, you change your dollars. What was it? Dirham. I don't know. I could never get it right. Uh, they, the McKegs are not here. Uh, they always laugh at me when I say it. So, <laughs> um, so we, we changed our money so we could buy stuff in the country. And they told us when you leave, exchange all of the Durhams, all of the currency into dollars, or else you won't be able to use it. And uh, okay, got it. Right, right, sure, we'll change it all. But I thought I remembered on the boat coming over, we bought stuff like it's a long boat ride from Spain, and so they have a little snack bar you can buy pop and donuts or whatever i don't know <clears throat> um so i'll save some of that money for the boat ride because certainly they'll take money and I, I don't know what i was thinking and uh so i, I seen most of it but i kept some and i get on the boat and, you know I go to buy a cup of coffee or something and they i pull out the the moroccan currency and they just laughed at me and shook their head you know and like once i stepped off of morocco all of that currency was totally worthless. You cannot exchange it anywhere because nobody wants it. It is meaningless unless you're in the nation of Morocco. I still have some of the money. Uh, and that is a, that is a type, it's a picture of the things from our old life. All right? Once we step into new life with Christ, all of the stuff that we carry from the old life, it's worthless. You can't. The, the transaction of being reconciled. Reconciled means that our relationship is restored. Jesus takes all of what we are and exchanges it with something brand new. Takes our old broken self and makes us a new creation. And it's meaningless. It's actually very, it's foolish, but it's also detrimental for you to hang on to stuff that from your old life. And unfortunately, that money became useless, a souvenir, nothing more, but things from our old life that we try to carry into the new life become more like infectious and destructive, cancerous, okay, because especially of their spiritual nature. And so when Christ calls us to reconciliation or to exchanging our old for the new, we have to give it all, all right? But the promise is that he promises to give us a completely new life, free from the stain of corruption and sin. Um, and nothing really, I mean, ultimately, we need to understand that nothing belongs to us. All things are of God. You know, in this life, <clears throat> we really live a fantasy. You know, we think we own things. You know, you buy a house, you buy property, you sign, you know, go through the whole procedure. If you've never done that, it's a complete hassle. Uh, <clears throat> you buy pro By the way, I want to announce, I have something in my pocket. I have, see this? These are keys to our church building in Vandalia. Shaka. <laughs> Uh, if you aren't here, we're, we're starting a, a congregation. It's going to be a satellite congregation, one church, two locations. And, and uh, God said he was going to give me this one for free. And, and the vision back in January, Israel Yoder, we were talking about the strategy. And like we both said, you know, we just need to start with a building. It's crazy. We're going to start with a We were thinking we were going to have to build a building. But this building became available. 
and someone bought it. Well, we're going to lease it from them, uh, but we got it. And he bought it for the church to use, and eventually the church will buy it from him. But it's just amazing, and we're already in it. Boom. So pretty good way to start out the year. So anyway, <laughs> the illustration, I'm actually excited about it. It's actually as big as this building. They said it was 8,000 square feet, but when we got the drawings, the realtor said it was 8,000 square feet. When we got the drawings, it was 9,500. Can you believe it? <laughs> Same footage as this building. It's crazy, absolutely crazy. Big story. I'm going to move on. So we think we own things. We think we own that building. You know, but if the government says, you know, we need to put a highway through here, <laughs> sorry, you, you kind of own it, but we really are just going to take it. You know, and that's in America where we have rights. In other countries, not long ago, China decides to build the largest dam ever and just decides they need to move a million people. You know, because you're going to move because we're going to fill this up with water. And if you don't move, you will all drown. You'll lose everything. So they just, you know, so ownership, everything in this, in this world, we think we own things, but really we don't. And that can feel unsettling or unsafe unless you know who really does own it. All right? It's only unsettling uh, if you think you have to own it in order for your security. If you put your security in the fact that you're in control. It's far better to yield that to the Lord God Almighty and realize He owns everything. And when I come into relationship, when I'm reconciled in relationship with God and He owns everything, I'm then adopted into His family. And in the long run, through adoption, we actually do own everything because we're children of the king. Does that make sense? Wow. So trying to hold on to things now is foolish. But when you accept them through relationship by reconciliation, we actually are able to have far more than we could ever imagine uh, through that reconciliation by being sons and daughters. And it means that... <clears throat> It says, all things are good. Nothing can be held back. Everything in your life must be turned over um, and be reconciled. The new life that Christ, the new creation, the new life that comes through uh, uh, redemption, you know, it's birthed in us, it's birthed in and through the reconciled relationship with God, the Father, through Jesus Christ as our Lord. Okay, so that means <clears throat> it's in that relationship that the, 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 uh, um, that the new life comes. It's in the relationship with Christ that we're reconciled to the Father. It's in the relationship where we, we take what's old and we're able to have it transacted, that transaction to be accomplished and be given something new. And so every aspect of our lives must be in relationship to Christ. Does that make sense? It's in relationship that the transaction happens. All right? And so in order for all of us to be, for God's uh, uh, new creation to affect every aspect of my life, I need every aspect of my life to be in relationship with Christ. Now, if, if, I, if I, dis, I decided to marry Kathy, you know, when, I, when we married, uh, we, you know, uh, how, how do the words go? Uh, yeah, yeah. All my worldly goods, I did the endow, but you know, there's, there's, you give yourself wholly, completely to one another. Not only what you have, but who you are. What would it have been if I'd said, you know, honey, I want to marry you, and you know, I want to give 
of who I am. Not just 60% of my stuff. You can have all my stuff, but I'm only going to give you 60%. Would that, be, would that be a good marriage? What would that be? That would be dysfunctional, wouldn't it? I would say, honey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live five days a week with you. The other two... Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, four days a week. I'm good. Four, four days a week. The other three we just won't talk about. I'm going to keep that area private. So this is, this, is, this is dysfunction. That's dysfunction. When you have part of your life disconnected from the relationship with your spouse, you're in dysfunction. This is something my wife and I have learned over the last few years that we can't have any part. There can't be any hidden parts. If there's hidden part, there's, there's dysfunction. And so we need to be completely open with one another. And, and in doing that, we actually love one another deeper. Amen. You know, but it's not easy. If that's true in a marriage relationship, how much more true is it in a relationship with God? The relationship of marriage is, is, was created to illustrate, to teach us about our relation, the intended relationship God wants to have with us, all right? And so you need, and we need, in order to experience complete new life, we need to have every aspect of our life in relationship to Jesus Christ. So that means you need to take your work life and say, how can I take my life at work, whether I'm the owner of a business or a worker in a business or, or unemployed even, how can I integrate Jesus? How can I invite Jesus into that? Or am I, if I'm going to school, how can I invite Jesus into How can I uh, have a relationship with Jesus in the school place or in the workplace or in the home or in the entertainment or w- every aspect, emotional, physical, uh, intellectual, every aspect? Because when you bring each of those aspects of your life into relationship, then the reconciliation of that aspect of your life can be realized, can be brought to its fullness, all right? And God wants to redeem you and reconcile your whole life. Does that make sense? It's a good, it's good news. So it goes on and says, oh, uh, uh, there is no plan B, by the way. There's no other means by which we become made new other than through relationship, other than through that reconciliation. You can't just fix yourself enough to be Christ-like. It takes that relationship. It says, it goes on though and says, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. I'll read from another source on this point. Uh, man writes, it is a ministry, this ministry of reconciliation is a ministry marked by reconciliation that consists in reconciliation. God has made possible through Christ our reconciliation to him. But in each case, it has to be made effective by the attitude of each individual. In other words, God's done what he needs to do to enable reconciliation. But you need to respond. It becomes effective when you respond to what God has done. And then he goes on, says, The task of winning the unreconciled to God is committed to us. It is a high and holy one, but supremely difficult. Because the offending party, the guilty, uh, is the hardest to win over. We must be loyal to God and yet win sinful men to him. God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. 
I've been talking all year long about trying to incorporate the idea that in order to be a disciple, you have to make disciples. That discipleship means discipling. It's the same idea. You can't be a follower of Christ if you're not following his example by calling other people to follow Christ. All right? And so this ministry of reconciliation is intricately, inseparably connected to our own reconciliation. Being reconciled means becoming a reconciler. All right? It's part of being the new creation. All right? Um, it, it, being reconciled actually obligates us to, to, to seek reconciliation and seek, to seek others, reconciliation for others. Uh, both if there's, there's disconnect, if there needs to rec- be a reconciliation in your own life, but ultimately to see people who are disconnected from relationship with Jesus Christ, disconnected from God, to come into reconciliation. If you've experienced that reconciliation, really, you should have as a driving desire to share that. You know, you who deserved at least can have, be in relationship with the Most High. You want to see other people. Doesn't matter how undeserving they may look, because you're undeserving. You want to see them connected and reconciled with the Father through relationship with Jesus Christ. You want to see them carrying their their old baggage and their old currency that's useless, trans transferred into a new life and eternal life. I mean, it's just part of it's part of the new DNA of being a new creation is reproducing, right? It's the whole idea with DNA is to, is to reproduce. And so this, this desire and urge, if you will, or demand to reproduce that we even experience on a natural level is true in the spiritual level. That when you're reconciled in relation, when you're in this new creation, you want to reproduce the new creation. All right? And you do that by leading others into relationship with, with Jesus Christ so that they can be reconciled. And, 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 and if you neglect that aspect of your new creation, if you say, well, that's just not my gift, you know, it's just like you say, well, I'm not going to use this muscle. I'm not going to use my right arm. If, or if anybody have a cast, break an arm, and it's in a cast for a month, what happens to the muscles? They atrophy. They, they get really small. My daughter broke her arm. She was so excited about getting the cast off. She got the cast off, and it was worse because she could barely move it. Uh-huh. And it hurt to move. And it took a long time for her to be able to, to move around. If you don't use a part of your body, it atrophies. If you don't use part of this new creation, it gets weaker. It can even become deformed. Oh. Right? And that, that's not what God's called us to. And so the desiring to be reconcilers because we're reconciled is part of the new creation and it begins uh now let's do it Uh, point number three is my new begins now my new begins now i'm going to read from revelation kind of a long passage let me read through it quickly though this is john writing about uh, the vision that he saw uh, uh, of the revelation concerning jesus christ and and the return and the ultimate uh, 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 uh triumph over evil and the establishment of the throne of Jesus. Uh, John writes, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. 
Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from heaven, uh, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. John, if you will, in his vision, kind of saw the trailer to the end of the world as we know it. You know, he saw a preview of coming attractions. And, and like a trailer, you don't get the whole story. You just get scenes from different parts of the story. And they might be vivid, you know. Uh, and he writes down what he recorded. And this is one of the scenes that he saw. <clears throat> and the point I want to bring out is that uh, uh, the idea that, yes, this is fulfilled in the future, the fullness of it's fulfilled in the future, but we uh, begin living it now. All right. The verse I read earlier says, "If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation." That's present tense, not future tense. Right? Two other times in that passage in Corinthians, it says "now." All right. And then <clears throat> even in this passage, he says, "I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and end. It is done." It's a finished work. And so we need to begin to live this. Um, we, need, we need to live in the now of God's Word and the faith that uh, it is that we begin to experience now what is promised to be fulfilled in Christ's return. Um, now we see in part, uh, we will see it in completion when He returns. You know, right now there's still death, there's still sorrow there's still suffering, and there's still pain, right? So this is not fulfilled completely. Nevertheless, it says we are new creations. And so there's, there's a dynamic here. There's, there's, there's a thing that we need to... How do we, how do we bridge that gap? Well, listen, it's the same, same method by which we believe one is saved you're saved from eternal destruction and separation from God by believing in what God says and acting on it. How are you saved? Uh, how, how, do, how, how does this, this future promise become realized now by my new creation now? You believe it. Okay? You believe it. You don't believe that you're still in the old life trying to use the old currency. You believe you trade all that in and say, no, from now on, I'm going to use the currency of heaven. All right? I'm a citizen of heaven now. And I'm going to live my heavenly destiny right now. And it begins now.
Why wait? Twice Jesus said it was done on the cross. He said, it is finished. And then in here in Revelation, he said, it's done. We have to take Jesus Christ at his word. All right? That's faith. It's done. All of that's done. I'm living as a new creation. I don't care what I see. All right? Because that's, that's temporary. I'm going to live based on eternal truths. And as you do that, you begin to affect your life, the life of others. Boom. Kathy can explain that to you afterwards. <laughs> our calling, our commandment, uh, application of this is to begin living the new life, begin living uh, the new uh, destiny, the new identity, the new creation that Christ has made us. And so the new year gives us an opportunity to, 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 to step forward and say, and, and, you know, don't do it with a little extra effort. Do it with confidence and faith. That it's not you. It's not in your own power. It's just believing in Jesus' word and living based on that word instead of on your feelings or your failures of the past. All right? Amen? All right, so let's just confess these three things. Uh, The conclusion. Next slide. Next slide. Oh, next slide. I must have skipped something. There we go. All right. I am a new creation. Let's say it all together. I am a new creation. Second thing. I am reconciled. Third thing, my now, my, my new begins now. Boom. All right, one last thing I just want to encourage. Every year I pick out a Bible reading plan and encourage everybody to do it. Um, I encourage you, this is a little more uh, aggressive than the previous ones. I'm going to read the Bible in 90 days. <clears throat> and I invite you to join with me. Uversion.com. You can use it on your phone, on your computer. You can print it out and use it in a paper Bible if you'd like. (laughs) Um, There's many ways to do it. It only amounts to 12 pages a day. You might think it's a lot really hard to read through the Bible in 90 days. I once read through the whole Bible cover to cover in 30 days uh, just to prove I could do it because somebody else did it and I wanted to make sure I could do it if he could do it. (laughs) Uh, So 90 days is easy. It's only 12 pages a day. Um, Heck, kids can read through Harry Potter in a day. (laughs) <laughs> you know, or two, we can read through the Bible. If you've never read through the whole Bible, I do encourage you to do that. It kind of gives you the big picture. And when you have to read fast, it changes things. You're not in it to understand everything. You're just like skimming it to get the big picture. And that will help you in the future. Even if you don't understand a lot what you read, it helps later than put things into the right place. So starting January 1st, I just challenge see how many uh, of us can, can read through the Bible in 90 days. Adam's got some uh, other announcements. All right. Thank you, Pastor. Well, we want to thank all of you for coming to New Day today. Uh, We appreciate having you here. Hope to have you back. Uh, In the seat pocket in front of you are the new connection cards, so I encourage all of you to take advantage of this, fill this out. Uh, There's a place for uh, prayer requests, praise reports, responding to today's message, lots of stuff you can do with this card. I encourage you to uh, take advantage of that. If you are new and you've never filled out a uh, connection card here, please fill it out, mark the little checkbox that says I'm new, and take it to the connection counter in the back there, and uh, we have a gift for you that we'd like to give you, so please do that. A few announcements that we have next week, right? Yeah, next week, Fred Wright is going to be here. How many have seen Fred Wright speak before? Yes, 
He's very good. Um, Fred Wright and uh, his wife are the founding coordinators of Partners in Harvest, uh, which is an international organization of churches that we're a part of. Uh, there's over 10,500 churches now in Partners in Harvest, and they're the, the, the co-founders there. And uh, he's come and shared here many times before. It's always been good. I encourage you guys to come, bring a friend, uh, and uh, we'll all be blessed. Uh, coming up next year, also in a few weeks, uh, January 12th and 19th, those are Saturdays, we're going to have a class taught by Graham McCaig and Mark Morris, so it will be good. It's called Story of the Bible Class. Uh, that's going to be at 12 noon on uh, Saturday the 12th and the 19th. Uh, you can sign up. What's that? Oh, yes, it is. If I read it correctly, it says 9 to noon. Uh, yes, it ends at noon, so don't show up then because that'd be unfortunate. Um, so come at 9 o'clock, and it ends at noon. And uh, please do sign up on the connection card. Mark, if you need child care, you can also do that online, which I believe there is an online link somewhere you can find. Yes. Uh, what else do we have? Next week is Communion Sunday. So come and uh, be prepared to be blessed. And as we're blessed coming together to take communion, we want to bless our community. So bring uh, food and donations as we do every single month when we have Communion Sunday. It's an opportunity for us to give to the community. So please bring in your food donations next week. Uh, there's lots more information in the bulletin, so please do check that out. It's important stuff. Uh, we're going to go ahead and take an offering, so please join with me in prayer. Father, thank you that we get to be a part of what you're doing by sowing into your kingdom, sowing into this church. Father, it's exciting to see what you're doing, and we're just excited to be a part of it. Lord, I pray your blessing on this offering in Jesus' name. All right, as we take the offering, I'd like to invite Bob Brower up here to give a testimony on giving. Thank you. Um, yeah, uh, Cameron was teaching on tithing a few weeks ago, and uh, so I offered to share my own story regarding my experience with tithing. 30 years ago, I was working for the city of Kalamazoo in the accounting department as an accountant. And uh, at that time, a position opened up in the city's public utilities department on Stockbridge, a place where I've always wanted to work, and uh, so I applied for it. But then I found out that the management actually already selected someone for that position before it was even posted. So that made me quite upset. And so I decided I'm getting out of here. I, I quit the city, and I got a job with a, a, a private company here in Kalamazoo. And one thing I've learned from that is it's not a good idea to do something in anger without prayer. Because the job that I got was the worst job that I ever had in my 35 years in the accounting profession. There was all kinds of problems with the computer system kept constantly breaking down. Had a lot of problems with the people that worked there. And the, the owners, who were very wealthy, were also quite unethical. At one time, they even asked me to falsify the Michigan annual return, which I refused to do. So after three years of working in this tent atmosphere, I decided to look for another job. But the owners found out about it, and they asked me to leave. And I was happy to, because of all the stress of working there. And uh, even though with all those problems, I had a good relationship with the owners. And, and in the separation, they gave me a very large separation pay, which would easily cover my legal expenses for several months. But the problem was the tithe on that. It was also quite large. 
and I was wrestling with how to, what to do with this because after all, I'm about to be unemployed and I'm still very hard of hearing. And along with that, my speech is not very clear. In fact, some people think I'm from a foreign country when they, when they hear me. And um, so um, I was planning what to do with this uh, tithe because it easily covered a month's worth of living expenses. So I spoke to a neighbor of mine who's a friend, he's also a former pastor. And I asked him, I said, what do you think I should do with this? And he said, tell you what, he said, why don't you just pay it a little bit over a period of time? So that if the other money runs out, at least you have some of the time to be able to live on. I clearly remember, I think it was the next day, I was standing in my driveway, and the Lord challenged me. He said to me, are you going to use your own devices or are you going to trust me? And it was a clear word. And so I decided right then to tie that, that next Sunday, which I did very gladly. And um, also, at, uh, shortly after that, I was about to leave. One of the owners uh, of the company said to me, Bobby said, don't worry, he said, you'll be employed within 60 days. So I started looking for work. And I found that a position was open at the place where I originally wanted to work, at the city, at, in the public utility in Stockbridge, under the person that got the job that I wanted. So I prayed about it, and uh, the Lord, in a dream, spoke to me, said, go accept that job. And so I did, I started working there. Uh, I started working there on the 59th day of being on the forest. Isn't that amazing? And um, so one thing I've learned in this, uh, because after that, I had several other experiences really challenging, where the Lord has challenged me to do certain things that involve finances, uh, where he reminded me, he said, are you going to do your own, trust your own devices, or are you going to trust me? That I very willingly obey what he asked me to do. In every circumstance, uh, my family and I were, were greatly financially blessed. The job that I did get with the water department under the person that I had hoped to work for was a huge financial blessing. In fact, it was the job that I retired from just a few years ago. One thing I learned about tithing is that it's not so much about money, but it's about a relationship with God. It's about trust and about learning faithfulness. And it's been really a wonderful experience for me. Thank you.